0: Well, if you did miss last week or uh, don't know what's going on, uh, we are doing a series at the moment on the seven deadly sins, uh, which you've probably heard about at least once in your life. Um, you might have even committed a few of them, but we, you know, we won't talk about that too, uh, too much. Uh, and in fact, um, uh, they're things that have a really rich and deep history and which uh, uh, Christians uh, don't actually know a lot about uh, these days and so uh, we're doing that. We're also doing it because we're coming up to the traditional uh, church season of Lent, which is a time uh, traditionally for reflecting on our sin uh, and a time of confession and uh, readying ourselves to reappreciate with greater joy the, the wonder of the gift of salvation that we remember at Easter time uh, that Jesus Christ has come to deal with our sins and offers us true and real forgiveness. So, if you want to know more about the seven de- deadly sins, or as we are referring to them, the capital vices, and you want to know why uh, th- that distinction, uh, go back and listen to last week on the podcast or on YouTube, uh, because uh, it was long, I think it was close to 40 minutes last week, trying to do uh, an intro plus the first deadly sin, which was Vainglory, and if you want to know more about that, again, podcast, YouTube check it out, uh, for we do not have time to really recap today. As we start today, we're doing the sin of envy, Uh, perhaps an appropriate time, a day to do the sin of envy, uh, it being Valentine's Day uh, and perhaps already you're envious of those in the room in relationships whose partner remembered. I I didn't remember until uh, well after I'd left my good wife, uh, that it was Valentine's Day, so there you go. Uh, Today can be a day that is uh, full of envy as we look around and see uh, others having what we don't have. But also, uh, envy is uh, one of those things that is with us uh, from the beginning. It doesn't take long for the vice of envy to show its ugly face. You spend enough time with children... And uh, you, you see it on display. Uh, we own a toy in our house, uh, which is a like a wheelie bug. So it's like a, a little ladybug thing. Uh, and it, the idea is that, that it helps um, babies and toddlers kind of with their walking. And uh, Amity, our, our, our eldest, has. She's not had any interest in this toy basically her whole life, until number two child decided that in fact this was the greatest toy of all time and uses it extensively. Suddenly, number one child wants it all the time, when when number two child has the toy. Uh, and uh, you've probably seen that thing happen uh, in, ch- in other children, I'm sure, it's not just mine, uh, and it, it, it can be very annoying uh, as a parent when you, you see this, this happen, this desire for, for what the other has. But of course, when we uh, talk of envy, we, we, we often start in that uh, snatching for something that someone else has, but of course, uh, there's actually a little bit more to it. when envy continues to run right in our hearts as adults, it it actually looks a bit more sophisticated. So we might see someone, say, with a a large mansion on the water in Sandy Bay and think, oh, how nice it would be to own that outright like they do uh, instead of rent the small unit that I do. But actually... Uh, the, the Envy is not just about wanting that house it's about it's about wanting everything that comes with it. The disordered love of of not just wanting the the house or the or the toy, but in fact uh, wanting the status and the position uh, and 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 being envious. Uh, thinking badly of the person uh, who has it and thinking well if I can't have that they shouldn't have it either. In our reading today from Psalm 37 David tells us not to be envious. He says do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Uh, And in this particular instance uh, David is talking uh, about uh, those who are in positions of uh, power, who have got there by doing the wrong thing. Uh, that's, a, that's a theme that David has to deal with in his life constantly, be it King Saul or his own son Absalom, both who work against him, who deceive him, who, 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 who rebel against God and who cause him great distress both who rule when rightly it ought to have been him who ruled, and so he's experienced this sort of success of the wicked and as he reflects on that he says, do not envy and of course his solution uh, that we see in verse 7 but also later on in that psalm is instead to trust in God and we'll come to uh, more on that later. But The heart of envy is here in this. It's seeing someone else have something that you think you should have or that you think if you can't have it, then no one should have it. David advises us not to be envious of the wicked, but of course the same advice applies to being envious of anyone. When we desire qualities or possessions because we think they speak to our personal worth then we are only going to end up in a world of pain. Thomas Aquinas says of envy, Envy shows up when we feel resentful of what others have, when we are unable to rejoice with those who rejoice because we'd like to be the ones who are enjoying whatever it is we're rejoicing over. You see, the thing about envy is it's a human need to feel loved, and to feel worthy, to feel valued, but envy makes those things into not something that we rejoice in together, but something that we compete with each other for. Envy seeks to get love and worth from the wrong people and the wrong places at the expense of others. And envy can come uh, because we have a sense of inferiority. Envy can also come from a place of feeling cheated by God or the world at large. We think, we deserve this, if I deserve it then, and I haven't got it, then no one should have it. And of course, the real downside of envy is that Uh, It's not just that you want more for yourself, but you actually want less for everyone else. And in that regard, though envy and jealousy are related, you can see that they're they're different. Rebecca de Young says, the jealous have something or someone they love but might lose. The envious, by contrast, are the have-nots. They do not have the good their rival does and they do not have self-love either. Thus, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain from another's loss. Envy. Uh, Another scholar describes envy as the desire for everyone else to be as unsuccessful as you are. And so envy gets us into this horrible situation comparison game and turns us into rivals rather than fellow travellers. And as we're thinking about what actually is envy, it's, it's interesting to note, isn't it, that if you think about people that you might be, have been envious of, it's usually people who are, are similar to you in some way. So take, for example, uh, Usain Bolt. Okay, so Usain Bolt, if you don't know who he is, is uh, the greatest 100 metre runner of all time, as he will tell you. Uh, and um, he is really, really good at running. And he's made a lot of money from running for a really short amount of time, really, really fast. He's been to the Olympics, uh, I think, three times and won the 100 metre sprint. Uh, multiple gold medals, multiple sponsorships. He's, got, you know, he, he's had a great life. And guess what? I'm not really envious of him, like, I I just never have been very fast, Uh, I've never thought that I'd be in with a chance, Um, you know, like, good on him, I say, he he is actually the best in the world at running 100 metres, so all power to him. But when I think of other people, say, Ministers who've led successful growing churches. Well, there I find a little bit of envy sneaking, right? Oh, they're getting invited to speak at conferences. Oh, people uh, retweet their quotes. Oh, um, you know, uh, suddenly there's someone who's sort of comparable to me and... Uh, the the game of envy can begin. Aquinas again says that we only tend to envy those whom we wish to rival or surpass in reputation. And of course, this can uh, have very, very bad consequences. Uh, Another great example of uh, the difference between acting out of envy and acting uh, out of a good uh, place in your heart uh, is to go back to the running uh, analogy again, but this time to dial us back into the past and to uh, take you to the movie Chariots of Fire, which I'm sure most of you have seen. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's a movie about Eric Liddell, uh, who uh, was a really good runner and a, and a Christian guy. Uh, and uh, in that movie, uh, he has this rival called Harold Abrams, and he says at one point in the movie, if I can't win, I won't run. If I can't win, I won't run. He is completely motivated by winning the race and the praise and adulation that comes with it, and if he can't get it, he won't run because he doesn't want to not have that thing, and he can't deal with the fact that someone else will get it at his expense. Eric Liddell, on the other hand, says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. He runs because he wants to excel at this activity which he is good at and because in doing so, it it brings him joy and it brings God joy. One runs for favor and status and competition, the other just runs to enjoy God's good gifts and and, and do the things that God has blessed him to be able to do. And so we see, don't we, how envy can distort a good thing. Nothing wrong with going for a race and seeing who's faster. But when we turn that into a competition about self-worth, diabolical. When we let envy take hold, it can lead to hate. You beat me in the race, I, I, I hate you. better than me, I hate you and therefore what we see ultimately is that if we want to be people who love, then we need to deal with this vice that is envy because envy is the enemy of love. We see this in the Bible, the story of Joseph in Genesis is a story of envy which leads not to love but to hate. You might know the story, Joseph... uh, is uh, loved more by his father than any of his other, than than Israel loves any of his other sons, Genesis chapter 37, Uh, and so he gets given this uh, coat, an ornate robe, or a technicolour dream coat, if you like. Uh, And when his brothers see this and they know that their father has this special place in his heart for him, Uh, They hated him, the Bible tells us, chapter 37, verse 4. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And of course, as the story progresses, they devise a plan to kill their brother. We can't deal with this uh, love, we can't rejoice in our father's love for, for our brother, we're just so envious that ultimately we need to kill him. And so when envy enters our hearts, not only does it lead to hate, which might lead to all sorts of uh, poor outcomes or bad outcomes, but it also leads to a dissatisfaction with our place in God's order of creation and then this manifests itself in a begrudging uh, of the way God gifts each other. So we look at, instead of being able to rejoice with the way God has gifted the body... We think, why don't I have that gift? And of course, there we see how envy links to last week's sin of vainglory, don't we? Because uh, when you've got a desire for praise, a a disordered desire for praise, then uh, we can become envious when we're not getting the praise we think we deserve. Envious people want to win, they want to be the best, they want to have the most uh, and yet, and they win those things, if they achieve those things, they only result in loss, because if you win from a heart of envy, then y- y- you've just uh, usually got there the wrong way. And if you win at envy, you've ultimately lost the ability to love, you see everyone else as a threat, not a fellow traveller. So, we've sort of diagnosed the the sin of envy a little I wonder then how we beat it and I want to say that uh, I think the scriptures give us uh, a, a three-step solution overcoming envy is done by resting in love by trusting in God and by living in community so let's have a look at those three things resting in love if envy is uh, sort of the opposite to love, if envy uh, is uh, all about wanting what others have so that you can uh, prove yourself, you can know that you're worthwhile and know that you're the best, uh, this is ultimately a, a, comes down to a lack of love, a lack of feeling loved. I need to get the house so people will think I'm a good person. I need to win the race so people will think I'm a good person. I need to get invited to the conferences so, to speak so people will think I'm a good person. The Bible tells us of our unconditional unearned love by God our Father and this is the starting point for overcoming envy. It's resting in the unconditional love of God. You don't need to beat others to get God's love. He has an unconditional amount of love for you and if you get all of it, there's more to give to someone else. It doesn't run out. Ephesians four, uh, sorry, Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Or 1 John 4, verse 9 through 11, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The unconditional, unearned love of God shown through Him sending His Son into the world to die for your sins is the building block for life and it's the, it's the cure for a heart that is attracted by the vice of envy, that is disordered by the vice of envy. God loves you unconditionally. No matter what you achieve, no matter what you do in life, God loves you. Loves you so much that though you were his enemy, he sent his son to die so that you could be his friend. So rest in that love. And then, knowing that love, trust in God, trust in His good purposes for you and your life. David uh, gives us uh, instructions uh, along those lines in that psalm we read today, having uh, told us not to envy. He says instead verse 3 trust in the Lord and do good dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the Lord trust him trust in him and he will do this he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun instead of playing the comparison game and wanting what others have uh, and uh, being willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Instead, trust the God who loves you unconditionally and commit your plans to Him and trust in His good plans for you. You will never fully deal with the sin of envy... Until you come to terms with God's deep and unconditional love for you, and then until you place your trust in Him and His plans, His purposes, His gifts, not in yourself, your status, your achievements. God loves you, God wants to use you for His kingdom purposes. So, trusting in your identity as a loved child of God, and trusting in God's sovereign will and plan, we then live it all out in community. And this is the final cure, I think, to a heart that is tempted by envy. Paul talks about how we are all one body with many parts, that each of us is vital... God's mission in the different ways in which God has created us. I'll just read to you from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, I'll start at verse 12. Paul says, just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. This is a picture of the community of faith the body of Christ, living together in community, trusting in their, that each of them is unconditionally loved by God, that God has differently gifted them and they trust Him in His good distribution of those gifts and then they seek to live out together the shared life of faith, rejoicing in their differences, united in who they are in Christ together, and going through the ups and downs of life together, not envious that some do some things, some do other things, some have good times, some have bad times, but doing it all together from a heart full of love. Imagine what the, the picture would look like if it was written from a community built on envy. a dysfunctional body, ripping itself apart. So instead we choose to love one another, to trust God and to trust in His love for us. Now, just because uh, we live in community and God has different, diff- gifted us each differently, doesn't mean we can't Look at look around at other people and say, "Hey, I really appreciate that quality in them. I I would like to be more like that. I would like to be more gracious, or I'd like to be more loving, or I would like to um, you know understand the Bible better, or whatever thing it might be that you uh, look and see." But what matters is the heart behind uh, wanting to improve, wanting to grow. If you do it because you want the praise that that person has, that's a heart of envy or a heart of vainglory. But if it's out of a heart that is secure in the deep love of God and therefore choosing, uh, knowing that you are loved, to seek to grow and take risks and and try and figure out what might be next in, in your life in the church family under God then that is a good and proper thing to do. We can enjoy others' gifts and talents. We can be challenged by their growth and godliness and know that we are not in some sort of competition. We're not seeking here to be the most holy uh, and therefore win the most love from God. You know, the the aim of this church is not to uh, have a picture that we put up the front each Sunday that says, uh, best Christian of the week at St. Aidan's. Um, And the goal is to get to the stage. Get your picture on stage. No, instead we support and encourage one another together as a, a, a body. And... We rely on God's empowering spirit. That's the last point I want to uh, raise today. As we start by learning to receive God's unconditional love with gratitude, from there uh, we can uh, aspire to be all that God wants us to be at His invitation, not out of our desperation. And then we ask God's spirit to help us as we seek to continually reorient our lives from hearts of envy to hearts of love. Paul, again, in Romans 8, writes, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Let's pray today and ask for God's spirit to reveal our hearts where there is envy and to transform them by the powerful work of his love for us.